so many blessings, relationships that we've been able to experience right here in this uh, body of believers. And I pray that you would help all of us uh, to be able to uh, be the learner you would want us to be, but help us also to be a teacher. And so I pray that you'd bless our homes, strengthen them, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. So here, that, here as we look at this, uh, the instruction of a father, and I am going to give you 17 points tonight. 17 points. Uh, Brother Josh came to me, and, and, uh, uh, and Max has already said something. 17 points. And so I do have 17 points tonight, and I am not going to uh, alliterate much on these but I want to just help you, give you some things that we have learned over the years. These are 17 things that Deb and I focused on in our home. There are many more. There are things that we failed at. But these are all things that we focused on giving to our kids. We were very deliberate. Not perfect, just ask my kids. Not perfect, but we were very deliberate. We wanted to make sure that they didn't just get things by osmosis. Have you figured that out? Osmosis doesn't really work when it comes to character. It has to be taught. And there has to be the correction and there has to be that consistency that goes along with it. There are, there are things that we need to be making sure that we are handing off to our children. But before we can hand them off, parents, we've got to grab a hold of them. So the instruction of a parent tonight is to the parent. These are, these are things that I believe if we will grab a hold of these areas and put them in our life, I know that it will help our life, our walk. And whether or not you have children, do not have children, it will help your walk with your Heavenly Father. So, so we're going to look at some things about this, and, uh, and it's about the home, about that relationship. God has used uh, the relationship of parents, uh, children, he used the family uh, analogy uh, to help us understand who he is. Did we pray? We did. Okay, so look, let's look. Number one, uh, we're just going to jump right in. Uh, number one, God. God. Where is God in your home? What place does God have in our home, in our life? What place does God have? Do we talk about the Lord at home? No, I talked about the Lord at church. Well, that, that's good, but that's not good enough. God needs to be the central focus of our life. 
And if we are going to raise godly children, if we are going to have a godly home, if we are going to be godly, then God has to be a part of, he has got to be the main focus in our life. So do we talk about the Lord? Do we teach our children about the Lord? Do we tell uh, uh, and teach them that he is the creator and that he died on the cross and that he loves us, uh, that uh, he is in heaven and he wants us to be in heaven? He does. There, there is a relationship. Uh, it is not the pastor's job. It is not the Sunday school teacher's job uh, to rear your child for God. It is yours. And we already looked at that in previous uh, messages. But uh, it is our job to reinforce that biblical teaching. Uh, and it should be taught in the home. The Lord should be a part of our daily life. So in our mind, just think about what our conversations are like. Mom, dad, what's those conversations like? If you have children in the home, how many conversations, how many spiritual conversations do you really have? Because if we don't have them, going to church is not enough. It's not enough. We've got to be purposeful about this. Uh, so number one, God. Number two, Bible. How prominent is the Bible in our homes? The Bible should be prominent. There should be Bibles on the counter. There should be a Bible on the end table. There should be a Bible uh, in the car. There should be a Bible uh, on a desk. There ought to be a Bible all over the place. There just should be Bibles. And they shouldn't be just ornaments. They need to be something that we are allowing to impact our life. But let's be honest. If we don't bring our Bible to church, we probably don't open our Bible at home. We really need to recognize the place of God's word in our home, in, in our life. Uh, we want God's word to be there. Why? Because we want our kids, we want our home to be governed by the word of God. We want the Bible to have such a place of, uh, of respect. There should be respect for the word of God. There should be awe for the word of God. There should be reverence for the word of God. There should be a love for the word of God. Do you have a relationship with your Bible? This is not my first Bible. I, I almost preached out of it tonight. But my first Bible, it is, it is so very special to me. It has fallen apart. It has been recovered. It has fallen apart again. And I keep it in my, in my office. And I've got a stack of other Bibles from when I first got saved. The Bible that I had when I was going through college. I had my own Bible, but I kept another Bible that was large print uh, just to help me. Uh, when I was in college, I was reading. Uh, we had an average of 2,500 pages of outside reading. And I remember uh, having to study 
and read, and it was like my eyes were just so tired, and so I got a large print Bible, and I've got two large print Bibles sitting in my office that, that I had uh, studied and, uh, and just gone through, and, uh, and I've got several other Bibles that I have used. Now, I have some Bibles that have been given to me as gifts, and they're still in a box, and they're real nice, but they have not been my Bible. And there's a difference. We should develop a relationship with our Bible. There should be something special about that book that you take with you. And you jot the notes down. Uh, I am not a reference person. I don't have that analytical mind where I can keep remembering all of the, uh, all of the references for the verses. And that might be because now we have technology and we don't have to know them. Uh, we can just do a, a quick search. Uh, but uh, I don't have all those memorized. But I know what side of the page it's on. I know what uh, book it's in. And I know where it's at in my Bible. And usually, uh, very quickly, I can find a verse. Why? Because I've, I've studied my Bible. Our Bible needs to be a place where uh, we are in it in our family, our home. It needs to be a place where the Bible is open, the Bible is read, and the Bible is talked about. Uh, why? Because that's an environment that we want for our home. The, God has to be uh, center in our, in our life. But God will not be center in our life if our Bible is not predominant in our life as well. You know where I'm going next. Prayer. Prayer. If we are going to have a relationship with God, then we have got to pray. I can't teach somebody something that I don't do. Brother Dustin, you have flown for a whole lot of years. And let's say that you finished flying a T-38 or a U-2, and then all of a sudden somebody comes up and and it says, I want to I fly for Southwest. And he said, sure, I can teach you. And let's say that you had yet to be in a cockpit of a Southwest plane. Would you be able to teach them? No, why not? I haven't been there. Do we want our kids to know God? Well, we better know God. There's got to be a relationship that you have. The instruction, remember, the instruction of a parent. So that means parents, we need to be learning. If I'm going to hand it off to my kids, then I better know it. I better be able to teach it. And, uh, and our children, they should hear us pray. They should see us pray. They should know we pray. They should see you pray as a family. You should pray together. Pray together. Pray before meals. And I'm not talking about go grocery shopping and then get all the groceries, set it on the counter, and then pray and thank the Lord for the food. I know people who do that. It's like, is thanking the Lord... More than once, too much. 
I mean, it just, and, and they, think it's, they think it's comical, but I look at it and I think that's sacrilegious. What are the kids going to think about prayer? They're going to think prayer is a joke. Prayer is not a joke. And prayer isn't easy. But we need to pray. And our kids need to know that we're praying. Our spouse needs to know that we're praying. We need to pray. Uh, so the children should hear us pray. They should see us pray. We need to pray be, uh, together. Pray before bed. Pray before meals. Pray for needs. Pray for wants. When we were in college, uh, David, David loves this story. Uh, David was just about two years old, and he loved bananas. He loved bananas. And now he hates bananas, but he loved bananas. And we didn't have the money. We had a $10 a week grocery budget, $10 a week. He said, oh, pastor, back then, it just went so much farther. Ten bucks doesn't get you much anywhere, even back then. And so it was Deb and I, David, Rachel was just a baby. And we look back, and David wanted some bananas, and Deb was, was like, well, let's pray about it. And they would pray about him getting bananas. We didn't tell anybody. And we lived, out, we lived out in the country, and she opened the door, and there was a case of bananas on our step. Have no idea where those bananas came from. God, yes, amen. They came from God. You know, when you see God answer your prayers, there's something, there's just something special about that. We all, we all know that he answers prayer, but when he hears our prayers. And you want your kids to know that God answers prayer. So prayer, it needs to be a part of our home. Uh, church. Church. How important is church to you? Now, those of you that have younger children, it's easy. Because your will can be imposed on your children. They're going wherever you go. But there comes a time where those teenagers, they have their own will. Make sure that you are not tearing down the place that they need. The danger so often, especially with the teenagers, teenagers see things usually from a negative standpoint. Not always, but they pick out things. And if they pick out negative things, and moms, moms and dads, you listen to it all the time, pretty soon you are negative. And it's just, it's a reality. We've got, we've got to guard, we've got to guard our heart. And you need to guard your children's heart. You know, this is a good place. This is a good place. Is it perfect? No, you're here. No, it's not perfect. 
Are there problems? Absolutely. Are there problems with the Sunday school teacher? I am sure that one of the Sunday school teachers gave somebody else a piece of candy and did not give yours a piece of candy, and it was traumatic. I'm sure somebody got praised and your child didn't get praised. It happens. I'm sure somebody else got thanked and you didn't get thanked. This is not a perfect place. A church is a family. Do you do everything right within your own family? Well, of course not. None of us do. So there are going to be issues within, within this unit called church. But don't tear it apart. If your kids are in the Christian school, that is a whole nother level that you have, you have got to be on guard with. Why? Because you are with or your children are with somebody from the church all the time. And with that, there are more opportunities for there to be stresses. That's a reality. He said, oh, at this other church, they, they don't have any problems. Yeah, they have Sunday morning service and that's it. And they don't have soul winning, and they don't have bus ministry, and they don't have Christian school, and they don't have outreach, and they don't have all the things and interactions that we have that are potential places for there to be strife. We better be on guard. Because this place called church, your kids are going to need it. You need it. But your kids are going to need it as well. And if church is the topic of conversation when you're driving home or when you're at home, or the school, or uh, uh, the pastor, or staff, or some other person at church is the, the topic of conversation, or I didn't like that special, pretty soon... When they're on their own, all they know about church is negative. We better guard that. We've got to guard it. Our kids, you talk about being in a goldfish bowl, being, being in ministry, your kids are in a goldfish bowl. You live in a goldfish bowl. People are watching all the time. And they will see they will see problems. Be careful. Don't, don't point out other people's problems. It is not going to be helpful to, to them. They need you to come alongside and help them understand that nobody is perfect. And when they are living life, Part of the injustices that might happen in a classroom or in a Sunday school class, these are teachable, teachable moments because in the workplace, when they get there, there won't ever be any stresses or strives. When, when they get married, 
There will never be any points of contention. Nobody will ever disagree. How are they going to learn how to deal with that? This is teaching time right now. This is, this is how we work on that. So uh, number four was the church. Number five, souls of men. Be soul conscious. Care about what God cares about. And if we are caring about what God cares about, our kids will, will catch on to that and they will, uh, they will see that. Uh, win people to Christ. Work on a bus route. Go soul winning. Uh, be a witness for the Savior. If you're in a leadership position, you need to make sure that you are being a witness for the Savior. Your kids need to see you out soul winning. Uh, those that you lead need to see you out soul winning. Uh, we need to be present Amen. We need to be leading uh, and going soul winning, and our, our kids should see that. Uh, family. Family. My mom always told us, family loves each other. Before we are saved, my brother and I would get into a fight, and we would be in trouble, and it was brothers love each other. Over and over and over again, brothers love each other. I didn't love my sister, but <laughs> the brothers, we did okay. No, just kidding. And so, uh, but that was, that was something that was, was ingrained in us was that family. Family's important. Make sure that you are working on that family unit, helping family uh, to love each other. Family takes care of each other. Family doesn't fight. We, we did not allow our children to fight. I'm not saying they didn't have fights, but it definitely was not allowed. And it was corrected. Why? Because we wanted there to be a relationship. That family unit is so important. Family doesn't fight. And we'll have squabbles, uh, but we didn't, did not let them fight. Uh, number seven, thankfulness. Thankfulness. That is, that's an area that is so vital uh, in, in our teaching and uh, our, our own personal living, uh, showing gratitude. Now, remember, we're talking about the parents being teachable, the parents learning. So that means that we need to be embodying all of these things. So, so with that, being thankful, showing gratitude uh, to people and for people, uh, not just saying thank you, but genuinely uh, being thankful for what people do for us. Uh, and, and with that, uh, we need to be uh, pointing out all of the blessings of life. Helping our kids see it. The the sunrise and a sunset. You look at our family, if you looked at our family text group, you will see picture after picture after picture after picture of sunrises, of sunsets, of of flowers, uh, of just beautiful things of creation. Why? Because we, we try to teach our kids to value all the blessings that we have. God is so good to us. It doesn't have to be something that we purchased. 
And so just being thankful, being thankful for uh, a beautiful sunset or sunrise, uh, for wildlife, uh, for flowers, pointing out things uh, to enjoy. Uh, there's coming a day that you're going to want to point something out to your spouse and your spouse will not be there. And there are people that are sitting here tonight that have experienced that. And there is, a, there's, there is a void that is there you just want to share. Do it now. Do it now. Thankful for health and strength and ability. Thankful for uh, our, our members of, of our body, our arms and legs and eyes and ears. There's just so many things to be thankful for. Respect, number eight. We need to have respect for people. Respect. You know, in staff orientation, I teach our teachers to respect the students. To treat them with respect. You know what? When you show respect to others, do you know what you get back? Respect. Respect is something that we should just naturally give. And, and respect, respect for authority, respect for others. Somebody just today mentioned to me that an adult looked at a teenager and made eye contact and said, how are you doing? And they just looked at him, looked away and kept on walking. That should not be the case. And with that, though, is that something that we do? Are we not embodying that respect and showing people respect? So they need to respect authority. They need to respect others. They need to respect themselves. When you have proper respect for yourself, you are not going to let yourself go where you shouldn't go. And so it's very important. You say, Pastor, uh, we've got all these things. I could grab verses for every single one of these. Every one of these. You say, well, why didn't you do it? Because I had 17 points. And there's been enough messages that we would get partway through and have to stop and then go back in and uh, try to finish and then still have to go back in. This would have been one of those messages. But I just want to give you some things here that I think will help our homes. Uh, but we as parents, we have to have these. And then we have to be embodying them within the home. And then we have to be consciously teaching them uh, to our children. Uh, and so respect. Number nine. Giving and sharing. Giving and sharing. I talked about giving this morning. There is such a joy in generosity. There's a joy in generosity. When God gives you the opportunity to be a help or a blessing to somebody, there's a joy that's there. There's blessings that are there. And we have so many people in our church that are generous. And, that, and that is, that's important. But, but our kids aren't just going to get that. We've got to teach them that. 
Christmas time would go, come around, and while our children were in the home, we would have them take some of their favorite toys. We would tell them that we were going to give to another family that had children, and we asked them which toys that they would want to give. We would help them not pick the toys that they did not like. Why? Because we wanted them to understand giving isn't just giving something that you don't want. Giving is trying to be a blessing. And so the kids would go through and they would, am I telling the truth? And they would take toys and we would make such a big deal of it. Sometimes we were trying to talk them out of some of the toys that they were going to give. But the reality is, it, it became something that they wanted to be a part of. And as a result, our kids are generous. So giving, sharing, uh, we want them to be generous in their giving and the offerings. Teach your kids to give. I've told you a stewardship month. We had, we had a budget. We had a budget for our kids. The budget for our kids, until they drove, it was 10% went to God. I just, okay, 10% went to God, 60% went to the bank, and 30% was theirs. They could spend. They got birthday money, guess what? 60% went to the bank, 10% went to God, and 30% they were able to spend. You say, well, they couldn't get anything off of 30%. No, but they could save that 30% for another 30% and another 30%, and pretty soon they had something, and they saved for it, and there was value there, Amen. And David, did I buy you your first car? You tried. No. I didn't buy him a car. I didn't buy Jonathan a car. I bought Rachel a car. And then, really, I loaned, I loaned her the money for a car, and she paid me every penny back. But what was it? There was... We, we have to keep, give them that, uh, that ability uh, of giving and sharing and, uh, and realizing that, uh, that, that how they take, to take care of what they have and to give to others. Uh, number 10, others. The word others is the word uh, progeomai, and it means to be preeminent. Uh, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. We've got to teach that we need to elevate other people. The Lord said, "He, Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. If anybody deserved to be served, it was the Savior. But what did he do? He came to serve. To serve. 
And so for us, uh, we need to, to elevate others and hold others up, uh, show kindness, compassion, empathy. These are things that we've got to teach. How to have empathy. How to have compassion. That kindness. We need to, we need to share that and show that. Number 11, honesty. Honesty. That is something that should be elevated in all of our relationships. Honesty. Making sure that our word matters. And and if we say or if we tell our children that we're going to do something and we don't, We need to humble ourselves and apologize and tell them that we didn't keep our word. Honesty. We want them to be honest, but we have to be honest. Now, parents, when you do your taxes, are you being honest? Now, I'm not paying Uncle Sam a dime more than I have to. Because Uncle Sam is, is not a good steward. But I am going to be honest with my taxes. There's no such thing as under the table money. Did I just lose everybody? Just because they don't know about it doesn't mean God doesn't know about it. If I travel and I preach, I don't get a 1099 for that if I get a love offering. But there is a sheet that we write down every love offering. And when I do my taxes, all that gets added in. Why? Because I want, I want to be honest. Has nothing to do with what the government's going to do with those taxes. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. It doesn't say if Caesar is a, uses that money wisely, then pay your tax. It doesn't say that. Amen, I see that one as goes over well. Always tell the truth, always portray the truth. Don't be deceitful. Half-truths are whole lies. So honesty, deception is a lie. Number 12, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We need uh, to be forgiving. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So we need to be forgiving. That means within the home, we need to be forgiving. Our kids need to see us be forgiving. We need to teach forgiveness. Purity, number 13, 
purity. The word purity means without dirt. Without admixture. Nothing added to. Our life, God says, be holy for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. What is it? That's, there's a purity there. There needs to be an elevation of purity and holiness in our lives, in our homes. There needs to be pure, purity mentally. I, I read a, a statistic years ago and it went on to say that 30% of pastors saw nothing wrong with pornography. This was done by the Barna Group. And if the pastors are in that place, I wonder where the people are at. God help us. Let me tell you, I'm not one of those 30. We have a zero tolerance here. Zero. I don't clear my own, my own history on any device. I never have. I don't clear my browsing history. I don't clear the cache on my phone. I have somebody else do it. You know why? Because I don't want to give myself any room for the devil to work in my life. I know everything that I look at, somebody else is going to see. And I am very aware that my God sees everything. We, we need to have purity. There needs to be purity in our home. What are we, what are we watching in our home? What are, we, what are we allowing to be our entertainment? We need to be uh, pure mentally, uh, morality. The church ought to be, needs to be pure. The moral compass of this world, the Bible says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. You know what that's saying? Is that the church is what holds the Bible up in a society. When the church falls, so does the scripture. What do we find in the Old Testament? The Bible says truth is fallen in the streets. It was trampled upon. Why? Because the church did not hold the word of God up. Not that God can't hold his word, but the church is the one that is, is supposed to hold and elevate the truth. So there has to be that, that morality. Uh, parents, if you have teenagers, make sure that you know what is going on on their device. Amen. Know what is being texted. Our kids didn't get texting. They got their phone when they turned 16 when they started driving. But I didn't turn the texting on. And I didn't turn the internet on. It was a phone. <laughs> and that was it. And you were happy with me too, weren't you? <laughs> when they went to college, we turned the texting on. 
But up until that point, no. Your kids can actually pick up a phone and talk to somebody, and you can hear what they're saying. Amen. There's this thing called delete on here. Your kids know where it's at. They know where it's at. And the amount of influence that is going on in this world right now, there are a lot of confused people. And there is all of the LGBTQ plus question whatever that keeps on growing. I looked yesterday. There are now 82 gender identities. 82. The Bible only tells us there's two. That's it. But the reality is that stuff's coming in. And parents, it's coming in through Disney. It's going through Disney. Was it you telling us that you were at Disneyland? They went into a, one of the stores in Disneyland and they were promoting the LGBTQ. They are putting it in the cartoons. They're putting it in the movies. The subliminal messages work. If it didn't work, they would not do it. Purity. When your kids are teenagers, a six-inch rule. Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So here God looked at it and said, the opposite sex, they should not be touching. Why? Because it leads to fornication. God spelled it all out. He's pretty smart. This idea of well, they're just kids, teenagers. I trust my daughter. I trust my son. I don't trust myself. Why in the world would you trust a teenager? Let's be honest. Don't, don't give the devil place to work. Walk guard around your family. Walk guard around your children. And that goes for you. Amen. Keep those business relationships proper. You go to work and you're working with people, a lot of times it find, you find yourself in close quarters, be aware. Good people can make bad, bad mistakes. So let's put some, some boundaries up. That holiness, uh, so purity. Number 14, work. We're at 14, okay, we just got a few more. Work. 
Work is not a dirty four-letter word. Work is not work is not a punishment. You know, the kids they couldn't wait to get the little girls they wanted that little kitchen set where they could cook and wash dishes. They they that little boy wanted that lawnmower until you made it work. Until you made it a punishment. Work isn't a punishment. Work is an opportunity. And if we don't teach our kids to work, don't think that just because they turn 18, now they're going to know how to work. They're going to be sleeping in your basement for the next 40 years. If they don't do their homework, you better look out. Because that's their job right now. We, we have got to realize that we are, this thing about, about parenting, it is not just letting them grow up and just expecting everything to turn out right. It's, it has got to be on purpose. It is work. So your children, they should have chores in, around the house. They should have chores. And they don't need to get paid for it. I'm not saying that there aren't things that they can earn money for, but they are a part of the family unit. Everybody should pull weight in the family. When they're three, Yes. You know what? A four-year-old can do laundry. Right? Four-year-old you just saw sing can do laundry. That teenager surely can. Those girls, they should, they should be taught how to cook. And so should the boys. My mom... She, she made sure that each one of us, we knew how to cook, we knew how to clean. Now, I did my duty. <laughs> and my time's over. My mom, if washing dishes, if we washed dishes and she pulled a dirty dish out of the out of the cabinet, she would pull every dish that we owned out. Every single dish. I'm talking about the stuff that was in boxes out in the pantry. <laughs> and everything had to be washed and dried and put away again. Oh, glorious day when I went back home. We went back home for Christmas or something, and I went over to the house, and I reached in the counter cabinet there, and I pulled out a dirty plate. Oh, man. I had so much fun with that. I started pulling stuff out of the cabinets. My mom didn't go for it. 
But you know, there should be, there should be chores. We, we need to be teaching our kids to work. It's work to live. And we don't, this idea, well, they're just kids. Let them be kids. It's not working. It's nonsense. The people that built our nation, think about the pioneers that came west. The kids didn't wait till they were 18 to decide that they were going to participate in the family unit. No, everybody had chores. Everybody had a responsibility. And you know what? It helped them to now be productive when they had their own family. But we've got to teach them. It doesn't, it doesn't just happen. So work. Uh, they need chores, washing dishes and cleaning their room and making their bed. Amen. Every day. Every day. Now, I got up this morning, and before I got out of the shower, I came back out, and my bed was made. I've got one of those fairies that just come in and, and take care of my house. It's great. <laughs> But you know what? She's been doing that her whole life. And she learned that because her mama taught her to do that. That's what we need to be teaching. Our kids need to learn how to work, making their bed and doing laundry and ironing clothes and taking out trash and vacuuming the floor and washing the car and picking up trash. And if they're bored, they can pick up rocks. My kids know what that is. All right, number 15, manners. Manners. Manners is missing in our society. Teach, our, teach the kids to look somebody in the eye. Teach them how to shake a hand. And I'm not talking about that little floppy, wimpy, <laughs> dead fish thing. I walked down the aisle, Brother Dustin, Lincoln was coming my way, I put my hand out tonight, shook his hand, he stopped and he looked me right in the eye. That did not happen on accident. He was taught. Those, those are things that need to be taught. Being able when they're spoken to, when somebody speaks to you, look at them, respond. Give them attention. Please. Thank you. No thank you. Excuse me. Those, those are all just manners. What does it teach them? It, teach, it teaches them how to deal with society. And if they have manners and they have a work ethic, you know what's going to happen? They're going to be on the top in society. Excellence. Christians, we are ambassadors for Christ. That means that we need to carry ourselves like we are an ambassador. And when you carry yourself like an ambassador and you have that strength and you have that confidence and you have that ability, you know what you're going to find is that you will have influence 
and they'll be listened to. Just having manners. Uh, we need to have manners at the table. Please, thank you. Please pass the salt. They pastor, you shouldn't drink, have salt. You shouldn't have salt. I've got salt in the drawer of my desk. I've got salt next to my chair. Uh, Brother, Brother Dan loves salt as well. Uh, and so uh, salt, you say, uh, I, would, I salt my food before I taste it. Anybody else do that? All right. And so uh, uh, people say, well, you didn't even taste it. Why are you going to salt it? And sometimes Deb will ask me that. You didn't even taste it. How do you know? We've been married for 36 years. You don't put enough salt in it. I know it. <laughs> and so, uh, so I, I salt my food. Uh, but, you know, but please pass. Thank you. Chew with your mouth closed. Manners. Well, I wasn't raised that way. It's terrible. Chew with your mouth closed. If you want to chew with your mouth open and nobody else is around, have at it. I don't chew gum. You know why I don't chew gum? Because I watch you chew gum. People forget that anybody else can see them. And all of a sudden, now Savannah's back there being very conscious on making sure her mouth is closed. And so, uh, but, you know, chewing with your mouth closed. Don't talk with food in your mouth. Teach the kids. But we can't teach them to do it if we're not doing it. Turn your head or cover your mouth when you cough. Number 16, personal hygiene. Personal hygiene. Siri, be quiet. <laughs> Comb your hair. You got people back here doing this right now. <laughs> Brother Bill, those two were in place. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Personal hygiene. That's, that's something that our kids need. Nobody wants their children to be picked on and made fun of. But kids are kids. Adults aren't even very good on this. But teaching them about personal hygiene is important. Deodorant is a good thing. A bath, a shower, that's a good thing. Brushing your teeth, combing your hair. Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because people aren't doing it. Pastor, show me a verse about brushing your teeth. Well, we can go to Ecclesiastes and it says when the chompers cease. Pastor Mingy, we were talking one day 
And he said he went to the dentist, and the dentist asked him if he, if he flossed twice a day. And he said, well, no. He says, is it really that important for me to floss? She said, only the teeth you want to keep. These are, these are just things that need to be taught. And we are in a society where families have not taught it, so the kids are growing up, and now they are having kids, and they weren't taught, so now they are not teaching. And it's a reality. It's something that I have to talk about in the school. Comb your hair. That's... That shouldn't be a problem. Mom and dad should take care of that. Before the kids walk out the door, make sure they look presentable. Make sure they don't stink. Amen. Number 17, and I'm done. Role play. Role play. There are, there are males and there are females. Let's make sure that we are teaching our, chi our child to be who God designed them to be. Amen. And I'm not saying that the girls can't love baseball. And I'm saying that, not saying that they can't know how to do other things. But our little girls should be little girls. And our boys should be boys. Why? So our little girls will grow up to be godly ladies. And our little boys will grow up to be godly young men. But we have to, we have to model that. We have to show them what a godly lady looks like. And what a godly lady acts, how a godly lady acts. We need to encourage the attributes that are in line with who God made them to be. David, when he was little, I was, I was bent on making sure that he was not a wimp. And we would wrestle, and we would fight, and we would play. Just as a toddler, I mean, we'd go at it. And Deb would get so upset. And we'd go at it. And one day, uh, I picked him up from nursery. He was about two years old. I'm holding him, went to the hall, past, uh, Dr. Jack Hiles was our pastor, and I'd go meet him as he left the service to go uh, to his office, and anyway, uh, we were greeting him as he came by, and Brother Hiles came in to give David a hug, and pow! <laughs> I mean, the perfect right cross. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> but 
But you know what? My boys are men. And my daughter's a godly lady. And that's continuing. We, we've got to work at it. My kids aren't perfect. And Deb and I are far from, we, we look at all of the areas. We talk about it. Different areas that we blew it on. Areas that we should have been more focused in. We can't go back. But we can learn. And we can help you. The Bible says for the, the older women to teach the younger women. But what is that? that? There is that passing of knowledge. God gives us our kids when we're the brokest and the dumbest. So we better borrow somebody else's wisdom. We better borrow somebody else's instruction and guidance. And so these things, I, I know there are a lot of them tonight, but if, if we are putting these things into our home, we're, we're going to find that our home is what it should be. There are a lot of other things but these are areas that we focused on. These are things that we wanted to make sure that we did in our home. And I'm thankful that we did. Now, I don't know where you're at. Your kids might all be gone. You might be grandparents, great-grandparents. I'm looking back at the stacks. Uh, and, 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 and with that, this, the season of life you're in is completely different. But there are a whole lot of things now we can take and look for who we can help. See what we can do to help these younger families because they need it. They need it. Father, I do pray that you'd bless. Help us as we serve you. Uh, thank you for the instruction, guidance that your word gives us and all the, the principles you've given us through Proverbs and the rest of the scripture. I pray that you would help us, Lord, just to take that instruction and use it in our life. Apply it and may you be glorified please, for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's stand together. Uh